0: I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. You're here for a weekend update for the week ending June 5, 2020 oh boy, we had the short squeeze. Let's talk about what's on the docket. Real quick, in Thursday's video, we discussed this was obviously one of the possibilities. What Inside the Numbers members were getting and what I said here at least once or twice was that if they begin to close above that high and the area we identified was 313 in the SPY to 314, closing above there would set a conveyor belt of pies in the face with a short squeeze on the way for another chunk of points. Now, they didn't trade through there, so they didn't close above it on any particular day. What they chose to do, and we discuss this all the time as well, it happens in both directions, in the northern direction and also in the southern direction, which is when a market or a stock or whatever it is can't or won't or doesn't want to trade through a certain area, it jumps over it. And that's just the way it works. The phony jobs number was the perfect recipe to have that happen. Whatever the numbers were, it doesn't really make any difference. We talked about this ahead of time. It's not what the numbers are. It's how the market reacts to whatever the numbers are. Let's talk about some things that are also important. We also discussed the fact that the market could very well trade up into the lunar eclipse. When was the lunar eclipse? and I don't have three heads. I'm just saying that it's an event, and this tends to have an impact on markets, not all the time, but some of the time, so it's an awareness that we need to have. So the market did trade up into the lunar eclipse. That was Friday. Does that mean the market immediately turns back in the other direction? No, it doesn't. Why is that? Because we don't know that the lunar eclipse was the cause to the market going up. It's just an event. We have an awareness. It happened. We don't know the cause and effect. We can't prove the cause and effect. So we leave it as an awareness. What's one of the reasons why I want to point out not to look for an immediate turn in the market? Now, if we could have an immediate turn in the market, it's up a lot. We're getting to the point where we're due for a pretty decent pullback. Now we have a nice juicy gap. They're going to fill that gap, and others eventually, but they're going to fill that gap that was left open from Thursday right around three eleven. They may not fill it Monday or Tuesday, but they're going to fill that gap. But, that being said, let's put on the table what we have. We're going to talk about the duck. We're going to talk about the obvious stuff that we can't overlook. This is what causes us... To look at as much factual information as we can and leave our biases at the door. We want to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. One of the obvious is we have an uptrend. The market is in an uptrend. We're above all the moving averages. It's obviously in an extended quote unquote. But we can't have a measurement or we don't have a measurement for overextended. We know it's overbought. But there's no measurement, so it can stay overbought. Maybe it was overbought two weeks ago. It's still overbought. But we are in an uptrend. The trend is your friend until the very end. That's the way it works. Think of it this way. When the trend is up or the trend is down, whatever the trend is, that's the general pull most days in the market. Right in front of us, we have two extremes, Okay, here's a pretty severe downtrend, and here's a pretty severe uptrend. Now, it wasn't an uptrend from the bottom, but once it started getting above moving averages, the trend began to turn up. Now that the trend is up, we can say that as long as the trend remains up, the natural pull will be up. Now, where's the risk ahead? The risk is actually right above us, meaning the risk is to the upside. The higher risk trade would be staying long right now, the market, because we're really due for a pullback. What are we going into in the market? Now, we discussed this the other day. Let's go over it again. We have a pretty big breakdown candle. By the way, we don't need this stuff anymore. Let's clean up the chart. Let's work with a clean slate. We have this big breakdown candle. The high happens to be 32461 We're going to call it around 324, 325 for argument's sake. Now, we also know the routine where markets love to test the highs of breakdown candles and the lows of break up candles. Well, guess what? It's not that far from the high of this particular breakdown candle. So that's where we have to be looking up north. Now, here's another thing. That's if the market continues higher into Monday. We'll talk about both sides, but let's look up First, if the market's going to be drawn up toward the top of the breakdown candle, while it's not that far away, and in fact, the high on Friday happened to be, what is the high? 321.28 against a high of right around 324 and change. And that was on a pretty large and in charge up day. So maybe they're out of steam, maybe they're not. We're going to look at some other charts and we're going to have a case where they may be out of steam. But that's on the upside where we have to be looking also for, quote-unquote, overhead resistance. So for argument's sake, we put the horizontal overhead resistance line at 324. Could be on either side of that. Could be up to 325 or more. Now, intraday, for argument's sake, they can get into this no-man's land if they're having another strong push higher. But the odds on that they won't stay up there the whole day and they won't close the day above the high of this breakdown candle, especially after getting into it on day number one, meaning it was a gap higher that got us into that breakdown candle and to get done in two days that entire candle and jump over it would be less than garden variety behavior. That would certainly be in the 20% camp using the 80-20 rule. So how do you tie this one up with a bow? If you're looking for a trade on the short side because the market's overextended, quote-unquote, then what you really want to have happen is you want the market to push higher all the way up to 325, give or take, Monday, Tuesday, something like that. Why is that? Because you know where you're wrong. You're wrong with a close above the high of that breakdown candle into no man's land. You get to reevaluate the trade. They close back inside of it, for example. Let's say, let's go through a hypothetical. Let's say, we'll use a few days for this, but let's say this happens. So Monday, the market goes up, but it doesn't close above the high of that breakdown candle. It finishes right around there, somewhere in that neighborhood. Then on Tuesday, it closes above the high. You're out of the trade. You take the short trade Monday. All of a sudden, Tuesday, it closes above that high. You say, shoot, it's not working. I got to reevaluate the trade. I'm going to cut and run. It closed above the high. And then Wednesday, they come back down and they have a bad day and they close back below that price, below that high of the breakdown candle. Guess what? That's a recapture, that's a trade you can hop back on using the same stop under the same market conditions. Just like anything else, it's not going to work 100% of the time, but that's the way that trade setup works. Let's take a detour and check out inside the numbers real quick. We didn't really have a lot of activity on Friday because the market had a tremendous gap higher and it basically was a gap get stuck and grind. But either way, we'll go through the notes. We'll go through Stocks on the Move, which you're seeing a sneak peek of now. We'll circle back to that in a few moments. Let me run up through the notes. I'm not going to even read you the notes. We had the early pivot. As long as the market stayed above the early pivot, we had a secondary support level. And once the market was above that, it was basically a spectator sport for the most part. It's a very difficult endeavor to hop on a huge gap higher, hoping it runs higher. You don't know where it's going to peter out. It's not a high probability trade. You just give it to them and you have to do something else. Let me continue scrolling up. You can read the notes, see exactly what was being said. We'll circle back to Stocks on the Move. We'll take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then we'll move along and we'll check out some other charts that are going to help us assemble the puzzle so we can get the picture of exactly what the market is doing going forward. Continue scrolling along, and you can see we wrapped it up at 127. There was nothing to do. It was a Friday float. Whether or not they pull back into the afternoon or grind it higher, you don't know which one it's going to be, and you don't want to go out at the end of a Friday on a sour note. Stock's on the move. We'll take a look at the four opportunities that were on the board, ZM, Work, MDB, and YEXT. We're not going to look at YEXT, but we are going to look at the first three. Even though you see jump target, there's a method to the madness. There's more than one target, and I'm not computer savvy enough to have that thing, that column, regenerate itself. Zoom, we had two numbers on the board, 202.30, 197.72. You can see from the buzz cut that was occurring at the open, both numbers were important. And when you're talking about a $200 stock, $5 is a reasonable spread to say that's relatively close together. I'm going to buy half at number one, half at number two. You can see what happened. Both numbers were in fact important. The market decided to trade in between them up until the middle part of the afternoon to which then they broke out on what they would call their own little rocket ride. I have to say most traders weren't around for that move in Zoom. But again, you can see what goes on here. You can see the importance of the numbers, A. Number two, you can also see something right out of the course at Lazy E-mini Trader. The market ate an appropriate amount of time off the clock. After doing so, it did the thing that it was supposed to do, and it went higher in the afternoon. Next up, work 3128 on the board hits it, spikes through a little bit. The rest is history. This one was getting a nice, healthy haircut at the open. The closing price from Thursday was 3794. Work opened Friday at 3165. That one was high and tight. Now, we had something else going in work as well, and you might have seen this in the notes if you read through the notes, but right around the closing of the first hour of the day, something starts to develop in work. They put in a tail candle. The writing's on the board that we've got a Friday float in our hands. I've got a couple of other things I'm looking at, so I put on the board that as long as work stays True to that tale, and likely above $32 on hourly closes, it's going to be good for a run higher. And that's exactly what happened for Slack on Friday. So some guys, some gals, got two bites out of the apple... Some got their first trade at the second trade of the day on work. Either way, there's something for everybody. There wasn't anything going on with the S&P 500. It really wasn't tradable. And therefore, I wanted to get something on the board that we could sink our teeth into. Something that came after Stocks on the Move. How about MongoDB? There were three numbers on the board. 206.31, 202.76, and 197.00. 58. Why do I only have one of the lines on the board? Because the stock opened below the first two. They're off the board. The only price, the only price target in play at that point is the third number, 197.58. Was a little bit of a wild ride. We could use the term rodeo would be appropriate. But after this thing whipped around, it found itself right back up making a high of 20890 By 10 a.m. And then again, the takeaway is you can see the importance of this number. It happened to be the third number on the board. That was the one of the day. And you can see all day long, it kept coming back to the same number, reinforcing the importance of these numbers. If you're trading at all during the day and you're not getting something like this where you know You have confidence that the numbers that are put up on the board are absolutely real. They're not vaporware. They work most of the time. And you can prove and substantiate the importance of the numbers. When we see a stock center around the same number over and over and over again in the same day, you know that number's important. Another perspective in the SPY. Here's a weekly chart. You can see a big breakdown candle. You can see the 324, 325 area. Are they really gonna go make new highs? At this point, nothing is off the table. What's the likelihood that they close the week above that breakdown candle high? Same as the daily chart, it's unlikely. But look what else we have from a weekly chart perspective. Look at the size of last week's candle, look at the low of last week's candle. 303.06, we'll just say 303. That's 160 S&P points below the closing price from Friday. Why do I bring that up? Because, for example, let's just project forward a little bit. Over the next few weeks, the market can sell off, can correct 160 points or more, and stay inside of, on a weekly chart closing basis, inside of the low of this last breakup candle, and that would be essentially the market building energy for another push higher. But it would take some time. It's not going to take one week or two weeks. That would take several weeks, and who knows if they'll stop there or go lower. But what you have here now are moving averages beneath that breakup candle low, and you have something else that we haven't seen too often. You have an uptick in volume on an up week from the prior week. When you go back and look at the previous volume weeks, just look at the volume chart on the bottom. You see decreasing volume, and when you see increasing volume, it tends to be the red candles or the down days. Very rare have we seen increasing volume on an increased price rather than a decreasing price. Now, you see increasing volume off the bottom, but that's a bottom. That's different than where we are now. And it's not enough volume to say it's exhaustion-type volume. That would need to be a big spike in volume. So this is of note. That's also a puzzle piece that's on the table. And guess what? It's bullish. Doesn't mean we won't pull back, but it's bullish on its face. You go back to the daily chart and take a look at volume, and you see something similar You have a pretty decent increase in volume on a big up day. Now, you have to take some of that with a grain of salt. You had some FOMO. You had some panic buying, short covering, all that stuff. So that's all factored in. So it definitely factors into the increase in volume. So weekly chart, is there anything bearish at present? No, other than the fact that we're coming up into overhead resistance, that's not bearish. That's just the fact that we're coming up into overhead resistance. So there's nothing bearish on the weekly chart. Is there anything bearish on the daily chart? No, it's in an uptrend. Again, we're coming up into overhead resistance, but that doesn't mean bearish. Two things can happen when the market gets to overhead resistance. It can either get rejected pretty rapidly or it can go sideways and eat some time off the clock, which would be building energy to get through. Obviously, the third thing would be just to bust through. But if the market just busted through, by definition, then it wouldn't have been overhead resistance. Here's an hourly chart. What's the bear case for Monday? What happens if we have a gap down or we open and they go down on Monday? What are we looking for? It's basically two numbers. First, around 318 and then right around 317. Really, 317 is the ultimate line in the sand They start closing hourly below 3.17 or the low from Friday. Then they get into no man's land. No man's land is the low from Friday and the closing price from the previous day which is Thursday, that would be filling the gap. You don't know that they're going to go down and fill the gap, but getting into no man's land certainly is not a bullish set of circumstances. Just taking a peek over at the 120 minute chart and you see what we have. We have a Huge gap higher, so we have a big flagpole. Same thing on the hourly chart. I'm just choosing to use this one to describe it. And now they've begun to eat time off the clock and start sideways. So are they making, or is this the beginning of a bull flag pattern? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know yet, but it's an awareness. It's something you have to put on the table and continue to reevaluate what it's doing. If it begins to break apart, like getting below and closing 120-minute candles below that low, then that's off the table. And something else is developing. What's going on over in camp IWM? I find this interesting. Big update for IWM, so certainly the market-leading indicator part of this thing is working out up 3.87%. But look what we have here. We're into the same area that we gapped above in the S&P 500 on Friday. So the IWM was lagging from a daily chart perspective. The question is, is it going to stall out here and be the canary in the coal mine, per se, even though, and I don't want to offend my folks down at the transportation department, they are the canary in the coal mine. I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. They can be a secondary canary in the coal mine. Listen, you don't want to offend the charts. They won't work anymore. I told you I'm bonkers. People talk to their dogs. I talk to my charts. So let's get back to the IWM. How about getting above the same area? How about getting above all this stuff and closing a day above that pivot high up there? How would that be? That would be extremely, extremely bullish. What's a big spot for overhead resistance in the IWM? 156. You have to be aware of stuff like this. So we jumped over, the IWM jumped over the 200 period moving average. Now, they can have a pullback, and they can do this for a while. They can have a pullback. They can retest the moving average. They can even fill the gap, and there's nothing wrong with this. It's still bullish, and it still would be setting up for another move higher into that 156 area somewhere up in that neighborhood. And guess what? If they had to recock the gun phase, 156 may not be the same resistance that it is today. With a longer-term, eating time off the clock type of scenario, 156 would become less resistant to price. Look at this. Weekly chart. Look where they went right into the 100-period moving average, through everything else, right into the 100, and backed off. Is anybody going to tell me that there's no accident or coincidences with this stuff? Remember what I say all the time. There's a chart that's actually the one that is essentially the active chart. And it could be intraday, it could be weekly, it could be monthly. The market is doing something and it's doing something at different times of different days. But the larger the chart, meaning a weekly chart and a monthly chart, that's the bigger picture. The market was headed to a destination. That's what we've been saying the whole time. Whether we're talking about the IWM or the S&P or the Dow or the NASDAQ, it doesn't make any difference. It's all the same market. Now, I'm not saying Friday was or wasn't the final destination. I'm just saying the market's been headed to a destination. And case in point, look at that drive right into those moving averages, right into the 100, stopped on a dime on Friday. Magnetic. Now, long-term watchers, watch this. This is not necessarily relevant intraday. It's certainly not relevant intraday. It's not relevant day-to-day, but watch for the end of the month and watch what happens during the month. So case in point, here's a breakdown candle. The high is 154.20. Remember we just said 156, but that was a daily chart level. They can spike stuff monthly, intra-month, but it's where we close the month that's important. So the question is, Are they going to close the month A, above that breakdown candle high and B, above those moving averages or by the end of June, which is a long time coming, right? It's the first part of June. But by the end of June, are they going to give up those moving averages and close below? And I think that will be an important tell for what happens over the summer. What's going on with the folks down at the transportation department? Same routine as the other markets. Nice big gap up, nice jump over its 200-period moving average. Had a little bit of a crap out. We need to discuss that. Can't just overlook it. Is this a tail candle? Is it a gap in crap? We're not going to classify it as a gap in crap, but let's talk about a couple of things. A, yeah, it's a tail candle, but they did close above the 200-period moving average. It will be important to see what happens on Monday and Tuesday, where they take it, where they close the transports, Monday and Tuesday. Remember, it's the canary in the coal mine. So the S&P 500 might be going up. The Dow might be going up. And nobody's paying attention, but the transports are sneaking their way down south. Happens all the time. We've seen it before. We've identified the canary in the coal mine enough times. Therefore, I'm watching the transports. Same routine with the weekly chart. Look, right into the convergence of the 50 and 200 period moving average. Look at that volume, tremendous volume. Is it exhaustion volume or is it institutional participation, buying volume, meaning more higher prices coming? It's a good question. Exhaustion volume, we like to see at highs and lows on charts. Doesn't mean it has to be there, but that's the preferred place. So we're not going to call it exhaustion volume. We're going to call it big volume trading up into moving averages that are overhead resistance. At present, that's all we need to know. Back to the daily chart, look at the volume the last two days in the transports. Now, what are we going to make out of that? Part of that can be attributed to the short squeeze that was going on in the airline stocks. How much can we tie together? Can this be exhaustion volume? Everything is on the table. We're watching the transports for them to be a canary in the coal mine. We're watching the S&P 500... To see if it puts in a sign or signal of a trend change. And until and unless it does, guess what? It can always go higher. That sign or signal of a trend change can come intraday. It can come as the form of a gap in crap. It can be on an hourly candle. It can come in a lot of different forms. The forms are taught in the course at Lazy E-mini Trader. We're on the lookout. What about the cues? New highs. Is that the sign of a bear market? No, again, we have to be aware of all this stuff. We're taking in the obvious. We have the Qs that have been powering forward. We talk about them every single day. There's nothing wrong with this market. It's in a very, very strong uptrend. There's nothing bearish here. Doesn't mean they're not going to turn around. It doesn't mean they're not going to close back below this high over here. The high was 237.47. Now, if they close back below the high, that's something different. Maybe it's a recapture. Maybe they run right down to the 20-period moving average. We'll see. But we're not going to project anything. What we're going to say is, if they do this, then we know this is a possibility. But they're not doing that. They're making new highs. We're taking it at face value. It is the duck. If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's a freaking duck. 20% of the time, it turns out to be an ugly duck. Here's one for learning purposes. Same scenario we discussed before We're just looking at the Q's 120-minute chart, and we have a big breakup candle. So here's the deal. So until and unless they close a 120-minute candle below the low, 235.63, then they would just be eating time off the clock, building energy. The moving averages are creeping higher. The market could certainly creep lower into or at least toward the 20-period moving average. As long as they stay above that low, closing above the low of that breakup candle then they're good. What if they close below the low? Well, then they obviously fill the gap right away, which is right underneath it, and then we see if the Bulls are ready to put up some defense, or is it a fumble and the Bears have the ball? One step at a time, we'll address stuff like that inside the numbers like we always do. Financials. We talk about this all the time. Now, the financials were up 3.72% today, but they had somewhat of a gap in crap. So we need to talk about both sides. They came up into, just short of, but into the 200 period moving average, just short of $27. Now, we know a couple of things. A, without the financials, it's unlikely the market's going to get very far in either direction. So the financials are up strong. They've been strong. You can see the moving averages. Look at the 20 and the 50 curling up. That's a sign of strength. The 100 is sloping down still, but the 200 is flattening out. This is a little bit of more of a long-term look at the moving averages. You're not going to get daily movement from the stuff I just said, but I'm just eyeballing it. Again, you're inside my head, so you have to take the good, the bad, and, of course, the ugly. Well, let's see what else. We have the volume, which was a spike in volume, similar to the other markets, similar to the transports. So it was a spike in volume coupled with a gap in crap, but we still finished up tremendous 3.7%. How do you read that? It's interesting. It's not easy. You have somewhat of divergence from the gap and crap perspective. But if you just take away that, that it was a big up day and that's what you have to go with on volume. If it was a gap and crap and they came back to fill the gap, that's something different. And we also have a guideline so it doesn't even matter what we call it here today over the weekend. The guideline is closing hourly below the low from Friday is getting into no man's land and that's not bullish. So we know that. Sometimes a lot of people get hung up on the names of stuff. They want to call patterns certain things. They want to call candles certain things. I got to tell you, I get stuff from you people, not all you people, just some of you people. And I'm okay with it. I love getting stuff. But I get stuff I've never even heard of. I don't know where some of you are getting this from. By now, if you've been here for any length of time, you know me that I like to keep things simple. If I can't explain it in a minute or less, then it's too complicated, throw it away. What about Smash Mouth? Well, check this out. So they make a new high, put in a tail candle, but did they close above or below the previous high? Well, that's an interesting one, so let's take a look. So they close, here's the high, Of 152.62, is this one higher? 152.52, so 152.62, and they closed at 152.70 up and over by 8 cents. Any accidents or coincidences? Obviously not. They meant to do that, and on its face, it's bullish. With a tail, but it's bullish. You made a new high and closed above the previous high. There's no other interpretation of that than bullish. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you, these videos are not possible? All true and accurate information. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss. So I'm going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.